President Joe Biden is expected to announce today, Friday, that he will nominate Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson and she would replace Justice Stephen Breyer on the Supreme Court. As you said, she'd be the first black woman. Welcome to American Focus. I'm Cole McNeely, General Manager of America's Talking Network. American Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. You can listen to American Focus and all of our podcasts at americastalking.com. That's americastalking.com. Now here's your host, Dan McCaleb. Thank you, Cole, and welcome to American Focus, the podcast where we talk about the issues from our nation's capital that matter to you. I'm Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square Newswire Service. American Focus is brought to you by America's Talking Network, a new podcast hub where you can find news, civil conversations, and all of the Center Square's great podcasts. Go to americastalking.com to check out all of the available podcasts once again. That's americastalking.com. Joining me today is Casey Harper, Washington, D.C. Bureau Chief for the Center Square. Casey, we've got a lot to talk about today, a lot of news going on, so we're just going to jump right into it. Um, Russia, of course, has invaded uh, Ukraine. Uh, things seem to be uh, uh, escalating there. President Biden addressed the nation uh, yesterday. We're, we're taping this on Friday, February 25th. Uh, President Biden addressed the nation uh, yesterday on Thursday. Tell us about that and what's going on. Yeah. Uh, if you've been watching the video that's been coming in, it's really tragic. You can see the explosions over places like Kiev, the uh, Ukrainian capital. Um, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out with all those, particularly the civilians there who you know, it seems like there's already been some uh, injuries and casualties uh, as it was kind of inevitable when this began. And, and that is one of many reasons that President Joe Biden uh, condemned the Russian invasion in his speech yesterday that you alluded to. Um, he spoke, you know, he spoke about Ukraine uh, after the declaration of war by Russia and the subsequent invasion. He said that, you know, there's a, quote, complete rupture in Russian U.S. relations. And he made clear that the White House believes that Putin's ambitions go beyond Ukraine, really to establish the, the former Soviet Union, to expand, to recapture these kind of these countries that made up the old Soviet bloc. Um, you know, Biden said, America stands up to bullies. We stand up for freedom. This is who we are. Uh, you know, he, other, he kind of gave some details into the more of the strategic geopolitical things. He, he made very clear that the U.S. will defend its NATO allies. Um, it's, you know, Article 5 commitments and it's Article 5 is basically the, the part of NATO that says if you attack one member of NATO, you attack every member of NATO. Um, and so, you know, there have been uh, there are U.S. troops in these NATO countries or not. He's he, he made clear that we're not sending U.S. troops to Ukraine, which not a member of NATO yet. Yeah, they're not a member of NATO. And I think we'll talk a little bit about a poll but, um, that we covered this week at thecentersquare.com. But polling has found that Americans really are not interested in sending U.S. troops to Ukraine. I, th I think they're not happy about the invasion, but they're not interested in getting involved in a, you know, <laughs> conventional war with Russia over Ukraine. Um, so there's a lot going on. Uh, you know, NATO is on high alert, obviously, because if uh, Putin decides to expand his aggression to other NATO countries, we're going to have a big decision to make, really, um, with the other NATO, NATO nations and the U.S. as to whether they're going to honor the Article 5 and what that can mean, especially given Russia is a uh, nuclear armed nation. And I, I think President Biden has made it clear that if um, Russia does 
attack NATO nations that the, the U.S. is committed to joining the war. Is that the case? Yeah, he's I mean, he said that. I mean, I, it's hard to know. Is he is he just saying that to kind of deter Russia from doing it? Is it a you know, if it really came down to it, uh, would we defend Turkey, <laughs> which is a NATO nation? You know, I mean, I don't know that there's any sign that Russia that Russia wants to go into um turkey but i'm just saying there are some some nato nations that are maybe a little more tenuously aligned than others i mean all nato nations aren't created equal um britain you know uh, i think we'd be more likely to find defend someone like britain than we would some of these far eastern european countries or something so um it's hard to know but you're right you're absolutely right that biden has been very clear in his messaging that if if they expand into nato that it will be really a declaration of war on the United States. I think no one wants to see that. Uh, that's part of why Biden has, you know, he's unveiled some pretty strong sanctions against Russia. Russia's stock market and their currency plummeted um, in, in the wake of this invasion and the sanction announcements. Uh, it, it's changing, you know, constantly, but the, you know, I've seen things like anywhere 30 to 40% of the currency value, the stock market in Russia just gone down. So, I mean, they're feeling that that pinch. They had to expect that, but um, the right now it's just the economic consequences and nothing, nothing military from the U.S. One of the, and one of the side stories on this has to do with energy. Much of Europe depends on Russian oil and gas um, mm -hmm. to, to to power uh, their nations and their industries and whatnot. President Biden has come under increased criticism um, in recent days because of what's been going on at the uh, Russia-Ukraine, the, the Russia's invasion of, of Ukraine, um, for his energy policies back, policies back home. The U.S., uh, of course, when he first took office, um, uh, President Biden halted new leases for oil and gas drilling on federal lands. Um, he, he halted uh, the Keystone Pipeline, the, the building of the Keystone Pipeline. Um, and, and other uh, regulations on the oil and gas industry, critics say uh, the U.S. would be in a better position to help European nations out if during this conflict Russia does decide to cut oil and gas supplies um, to Europe. Any more insight into that? Yeah, you're right. I mean, energy is, we talk about the economic consequences. Energy is at the very forefront of them because it takes a lot of energy, a lot of oil and gas to fight a war. Um, also, when energy prices go up, uh, they're, they're kind of the great equalizer. Everyone has to turn their stove on. Everyone has to get in their car. So everyone feels the pain when energy prices go up, which you know, can make it really hard for leaders to continue um, kind of keeping the morale and the you know, broad support of any kind of war effort um, up. So if energy prices you know, are going up anywhere, whether it's the U.S. or, or um, Russia or some of these European countries, it, affect, it has a political impact. But you're right that, uh, you know, under um, former President Donald Trump, the U.S. became energy independent. Um, there's a few reasons for that. A big, big part of it was regulations. There's been a big expansion in fracking and just what fracking is able to do. I know fracking is kind of controversial, but um, it did get us to energy independence. And now um, under President Biden, we've really uh, reversed a lot of that. And we're feeling the pinch now. I mean, uh, you know, we've heard this kind of talk. It's kind of just been a talking point, honestly, for a long time for many Republicans, for many in the energy industry. It's just been a talking point that it's na it's in our national security interest to be energy independent. And it was kind of like, yeah, yeah. But uh, now we're actually seeing it. Uh, we are feeling 
the pinch of when you are not uh, don't have a fully independent, robust um, energy sector that's like, you know, had some momentum behind it. And then you come up into a very dicey international kind of uh, crisis. I don't know, crisis. Yeah. Uh, you put some strain on that on the energy sector and you feel it and prices are going to go up a lot more gas prices have risen a full dollar in the last 12 months i think we can expect that to continue to go up because uh you know supply chain is going to be disrupted the demand is going to be all out of whack um so it's it's going to be more expensive for americans and biden admitted that uh he did admit that that the sanctions that we we should pay the price he said it was the right thing to do that we you know we defend freedom we fight tyranny um some of that messaging is is a little odd because Ukraine isn't exactly like a fully, you know, protecting their bill of rights over there, <laughs> but um, you know, we don't want Russian aggression. So I don't think it's quite accurate to just cast Ukraine as these great, you know, um, constitutional convention, uh, 1776 founding fathers and uh, Russia's great Britain. It's not quite that, that simple, but um, you know, Russia is being very aggressive. They're obviously totally unprovoked you know, killing a lot of people right now. We want to, we want to stop that. So um, I'm not sure that defending freedom is the right messaging, but stopping the spread of Russia and the return of the Soviet Union is definitely something everyone should be behind. Okay. Now you referenced earlier uh, this, this poll that most Americans do not want to play a major role in Ukraine. Anything mm -hmm. more to say about that? Can you just give us a few more details? Yeah, sure. So it's an AP, uh, AP NORC poll that was released this week and it found that only 26% of Americans that were surveyed want to play, quote, a major role in this situation. So about half of Americans say they want to play a minor role, which is I, I would say that's what we are now, kind of leading the talking points, doing sanctions, and 20% said no role at all. So uh, notably, you know, independents are very much not independent. 32% of independents want the U.S. to play no role, and 20, only 20% 20 want a major role, and 44% want a minor role. So uh, the, the kind of the swing voters are not interested in any kind of U.S. fighting in Ukraine. And uh, the majority of just your average American voter does not want to fight. They want you know, the U.S. to play some kind of minor role to help out, but they don't want us leading the charge military on this at all. Got it. So why don't we move on because there is more news to talk about this week. In fact, the, the Center Square investigation that you um, uh, were involved in and were the uh, primary reporter on revealed, uh, uh, unveiled more uh, federal taxpayer dollars uh, being used um, in grant form to pay for higher education um, um, teaching of critical race theory. What could you tell us about this? Yeah, so uh, I've, I've been covering this federal this federal funding of critical race theory for a while. Um, you know, some of our most loyal fans, Dan, may remember last year when I broke a similar story. Yes, all, I do. Maybe all three or four of them. Very good uh, reporting. Oh, thanks. <laughs> well, this is a similar story if you just on the off chance happen to remember that. Uh, and what I found looking through Department of Education grant documents is that um, – the DOE has awarded about $2.5 million in taxpayer dollars to a couple of Florida, you know, um, colleges and universities. So one of those grants was in 2017. One was in 2021. Uh, they went to Florida State University and Florida Agriculture, Agricultural and Mechanical University. And so it's $2.5 million. What for, you may ask? Well, it's for a program called Partners United for Research Pathways oriented to social justice and education. 
So that's a very long name. It, it creates acronym purpose. What should stand out to you is the social justice and education, which really tips its hand that this program is a, is really a one year fellowship for college students studying education. And a big part of what they do is they train them in critical race theory. And many of those uh, teachers or many of those education students go on to be teachers. So it's clearly a federal, it's a federally funded pipeline to, uh, just ship a new batch of critical race theory trained education researchers and teachers into the education system every year. Um, now it's not, and, and again, you know, it's not a new thing that colleges may be teaching critical race theory. I mean, I think we, at a certain level, you know, there's all kinds of a range of ideas um, that are taught at colleges, you know, some good, some bad, and we can't really police all those, but um, a lot of lawmakers uh, have been really made it really clear they want to ban federal funding for it. And that's what it really comes down to um, is should there be federal funding for um, training, especially teachers in something that, you know, so many Americans are vehemently opposed to, um, you know, I can read something from their, their website. So the theme, this is from the federally funded programs website. Um, the theme of the purpose program is social justice, using research to address inequities in education, Students from FSU and FAMU will have opportunities to develop their own research projects during the year-long fellowship by engaging research problems targeting educational injustices. So a lot of this com common language. One of our program outcomes is a value for participating in the process of social justice. And it goes on to say that they're going to, um, we'll part they'll participate in pro seminars. They'll focus on social justice topics including culturally relevant pedagogy and research design, tools for analyzing oppression, critical race theory, multiple, multicultural leadership, and tools for social change and action. So a lot of this is kind of a confusing language, but critical race theory is clearly outlined on the website. I mean, there's a lot more in this investigation, but we've gotten a lot of pushback or uh, a lot of, um, you know, news yeah. and broken out this and lawmakers yeah. even calling for an investigation now i was gonna say after after your reporting after your story published um there's even there's at least one uh florida congressman who wants an investigation into it and whether it's breaking any florida laws tell us about that sure so florida's uh you know state board of education under you know republican governor ron DeSantis announced last year that teaching critical race theory in the public school classroom would be banned uh and so that's a new rule. Uh, it, it came after the beginning of this purpose program, but the purpose program grants go until 2026. So this is something that needs to be resolved. Um, <clears throat> it's like it's it's kind of unclear because this is a, you know, clearly something that's happening in colleges and universities. So this this federally funded program and Florida's law does not ban critical race theory in colleges and universities. It bans it in K through 12 education. But because they're training teachers, it's kind of unclear whether they might cross that line. And that's why I think that there, there's a call for investigation. So, for example, this purpose program, this federally funded critical race theory training program, um, has something, it works with something called freedom schools, which are summer camps for kids, right? Um, where they have six week summer camps, they bring in a lot of kids and these teachers and ed education researchers who have just been trained in critical race theory work with these kids. So let, hypothetically, if these new, this new batch of CRT um, trainees were to host a federally funded summer camp 
for kids and then if they taught them some of the things they just been taught would that be a violation of the florida um, education rules i'm not sure i really don't know um i'm not sure that that would that the you know desantis and the florida state board of education had something like that in mind when they banned crt from the public school classrooms but it's a really interesting question so maybe there maybe there will be an investigation we'll be covering that at the centersquare.com but I think that's where the investigation would crux on is are some of these other programs uh, or some of the it's not really the focus of this program to go into classrooms and teach elementary school students about CRT, but it could still be happening. It's it's not really clear whether some of their uh, activations or extracurricular activities that purpose is doing are maybe you know happening to violate this new uh, Florida regulation. I look forward to your uh, future reporting on that, uh, Casey. I know we'll stay on top of it. Moving on to the next story, it is tax season. We have talked about this a little bit. Um, the IRS is still uh, millions of tax returns behind on last year's uh, tax filings, uh, and they're getting mm -hmm. um, uh, in, in, uh, increased pressure from lawmakers about catching up because this year's rounds of tax returns are being filed now. Um, and uh, if there's still backlog from last year, what's that going to mean for Americans expecting returns this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My advice to any of our listeners would be, unless you absolutely have to, do not mail your taxes in this year. Um, you might get lucky and get them filed pretty quickly, but you might not get lucky as millions of other people have been and your taxes might be sitting in some IRS bureaucrats, you know, bottom desk drawer for a year. <laughs> uh, as is sadly the case for a lot of, you know, quite literally millions of, of people in this country right now. So as you, as you pointed out, there's several million um, IRS returns backlogged um, with the IRS and Repu both Republicans and Democrats uh, in the House and the Senate are really hammering the IRS. Some of them allude to how their constituents have been reaching out to them and are upset about this. And you can imagine if you uh, had a big return that you're waiting on and you still haven't got it, uh, you, you'd be getting kind of antsy. So the national taxpayer advocate uh they actually are tasked by the federal government to keep track of how the irs is doing and in their most recent report they said the irs had 2.8 million unprocessed business returns 6.2 million unprocessed individual returns this is from last year right this is from december yeah this yeah. is the most recent report this but i mean last year's returns not not this current crop correct correct yeah um 2.4 million unprocessed amended individual returns and then they have 427,000 amended business returns and then almost 5 million pieces of just correspondence. You know, you send a follow-up letter or a question and that's just, they haven't even opened that yet. So uh, they, the IRS actually issued a warning earlier this year. They called it a quote, urgent reminder, just saying that you should definitely file electronically to help speed up your refund. So they're really trying to get everyone to go electronic. Um, there's been, you know, even the IRS commissioner, Charles Reddick, wrote an op-ed um, in Yahoo News just warning everyone that we're facing enormous challenges. Uh, millions of people are still waiting for their returns. Um, file online, please. So they're really laying the groundwork to, to lower everyone's expectations this year, which uh, doesn't sound like good news for average Americans. Right. And one, and one of uh, uh, President Biden's um, 
um, priority initiatives was in terms to pay for all of his excess spending for Build Back Better and the infrastructure bill was to beef up the IRS auditing um, to um, to go after what he said was were tax cheats. Um, and, and that was meant to pay for a lot of his new spending. But the IRS can't even keep up with the standard um, annual uh, income tax process. Um, so I don't see how that's uh, going to work anytime soon anyway. Yeah, well, th this is largely this backlog is largely because um, Biden instituted a monthly child tax credit program last year and that fell on the IRS's plate. And so they got really behind on all their other responsibilities. But I'll just say. I mean, you can mark my words on this. If, if we're not careful, this total failure by the IRS will be used to justify Biden's request for another $80 billion, which you, which you um, referenced. Because I've been in D.C. a while now, and one thing I know is that people are not – when people fail, they get more money. Because the problem could not have possibly been their own incompetence. It must be that they need more taxpayer dollars. So. So the IRS's failures here, I think, very likely could be rewarded with a budget increase because they'll say, hey, we need more staff. You see how we're falling behind? And so that's kind of how Washington works. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if they end up getting it after all, even though they're really, you know, struggling. All right, Casey, just we I've just got a couple more minutes. Time for some breaking, developing news. Um, first, we're hearing that the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, is going to update its uh, masking guidelines. What, what are you hearing about that? Yeah, just kind of quickly on, on this. Uh, it looks like the CDC is going to pull back uh, their recommendations that, you know, everyone has to be mandated to wear a mask indoors. Um, this is you know, obviously a big implications. You know, a lot of schools, even school children um, still masked up, although the science behind that was kind of tenuous. Um, so CDC, the, really the Hawks, when it comes to masking, uh, looks like they're finally pulling back. And, uh, I think it's going to have ripple effect for any of these holdout states or school boards that are still requiring masks. Uh, thank you. And we'll, we'll be paying attention to that. I think you'll be writing about that today at the centersquare.com. Mm -hmm. And one final story, um, Biden is set to nominate, uh, uh, the first black the first black woman to the U.S. Supreme Court. What do you know? Yeah, so it, the President Joe Biden is expected to announce to, today, Friday, that he will nominate, uh, forgive me if this name's wrong, but Judge uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson. So she's in the U.S. Court of Appeals right now for uh, the D.C. Circuit, and she replaced Justice Stephen Breyer in the Supreme Court. As you said, she'd be the first um, black woman. She's 51 years old. Um, she will be the second youngest on the court right now. Justice Amy Coney Barrett, uh, Coney Barrett is the, is the youngest. She just turned 50. So, um, this is a new nominee. The, the interesting thing about this nominee is that just, I think less than a year ago, she was, uh, confirmed and several Repo Republicans voted to confirm her. So, um, I think she's the one that had the most Republican support. I think Biden is trying to make this a more painless nomination. I think it's going to be hard for these Republicans who just voted to confirm her to turn around and say, oh, I changed my mind and not seem too political. So uh, I think she has a pretty good chance. And that's a little analysis. But, you know, we'll see the Supreme Court nominees in this modern era are never safe until they're actually fully confirmed. Right. 
And of course, um, President Biden made it clear from the beginning that it was time for a black woman to serve on the Supreme Court. Um, uh, so he's, he's made it clear that he was going to nominate a black woman. And th there you have it. Um, but that is all the time we have uh, this week, Casey. Uh, to those of you listening, you can find all of the Center Scores podcasts at americastalking.com. Take a look. Please subscribe. There is no cost. For Casey Harper, I'm Dan McCaleb. We'll talk to you next week.